0: This program is brought to you by Preserve Gold, the number one precious metals IRA provider. Call 855-962-3322.
1: Chinese tourists or spies? That's what lawmakers are trying to find out after one group tried to breach a military base in Alaska. Reports saying a car blew past the security checkpoint of an Alaskan military base. The Chinese people in the vehicle saying they were tourists that got lost. An Alaska senator calling it another wake up call, adding that we're in a new era of authoritarian aggression led by dictators in China and Russia. This comes after the spy balloon entered the U.S. from Alaska. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Are Chinese spies trying to breach military bases in Alaska? A U.S. lawmaker is asking for more details about an alleged security breach. Alaska Senator Dan Sullivan releasing a statement on Wednesday calling new reports of suspected Chinese spies there another wake-up call that we're in a new era of authoritarian aggression led by dictators in China and Russia. His comment comes after a report by USA Today. Citing unnamed soldiers, the report said a vehicle with Chinese people blew past the security checkpoint of a military installation in Alaska. Soldiers stopped the vehicle and found a drone inside. The Chinese people in the vehicle alleged they were tourists that got lost. NTD reached out to the Pentagon to confirm the incident. Defense Department spokesperson Sue Goth responded, saying in an email that the possibility of intrusion or surveillance against our facilities is always a concern and that they work with local, state and federal law enforcement officials plus allies and partners to protect U.S. military bases. She noted that they also employ a wide range of protective measures to ensure safety, something she called a top priority for Secretary Austin and Deputy Secretary Hicks. Alaska is critical for defending the U.S. Less than three miles from Russia at its westernmost point, the state has stationed radars and missiles to defend nuclear threats from Russia, China and North Korea. Alaska is also home to three large military bases, one in Anchorage and two near Fairbanks. It also has the U.S. Air Force's most advanced fighter jets, F-22s and F-35s. In 2019, a Chinese student was sentenced to a year behind bars for taking photos at a military airbase in Florida. The student, Zhao Li, was 20 years old. His lawyer said he was a tourist that got lost. But Zhao's camera and cell phone only had photos about the military base. A nearly $14 million Pentagon grant funded by taxpayers awarded to a U.S. university for missile research. But the school's Advanced Military Technology Program is being conducted alongside an institute with ties to the Chinese military. Let's take a closer look
2: a hypersonic weapon research program, and a Chinese military-linked institute, sharing the same campus at a small university in New York. But there's more. On Wednesday, the Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party revealed the Alfred University, which received a nearly $14 million research grant from the Pentagon, is also hosting a Confucius Institute and partnering with a Chinese university. And what might be an even bigger danger? The Institute's potential to bring sensitive U.S. military research right into the hands of the Chinese military. American Enterprise Institute's senior fellow, Derek Scissors, says scrutiny loopholes in such programs could lead to terrible outcomes in America.
3: This is a much smaller amount of money, but it's a much smaller amount of money that could go exactly where we don't want it to go.
2: The Pentagon contract, Alfred's Confucius Institute, and the university's partnership with a Chinese military-linked university are at the center of the controversy. The House panel's chairman, Mike Gallagher, sent letters about the issues to Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and the president of Alfred University. Each letter requests them to address the panel's concerns about research security. It also questions how Alfred continues to get Pentagon funding while it harbors a Confucius Institute. Confucius Institutes are funded by Beijing and touted as cultural exchanges. But they're known to push Chinese state propaganda on college campuses. They're also central to helping the regime steal technology and research from the U.S. Last year, investigations found more than 150 scientists from the U.S.'s top nuclear laboratory had been hired by China to conduct research for the regime. Because of this... Starting in October, all universities that continue to host Confucius Institutes will be banned from receiving money from the Pentagon. That's unless they obtain a special waiver.
1: The CEOs of some of America's biggest companies were in China this week, checking the polls of one of their top markets. Among the biggest names in town, Tesla and Twitter leader Elon Musk, Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon, and Starbucks Laxman Narasimhan. They followed earlier visits by Apple's Tim Cook, Pfizer's Albert Borla, General Motors' Mary Barra, and leaders from other global companies. The string of visits highlights the importance of the Chinese market, though right now uncertainties are hanging around the business environment in China. Beijing's recent clampdown has sent chills through the American businesses operating in China. The regime also recently raided two American firms, CapVision and Mintz. Another U.S. consulting giant, Bain & Company, said Chinese police questioned staff at its Shanghai office. But Tesla CEO Elon Musk received a warm welcome in China. The country's foreign minister, Gang, says China aims to create a better environment for companies like Tesla. The uncertainty is leaving Western companies up in the air. In a British Chamber survey last month, 70% of businesses said they were adopting a wait-and-see approach on decisions to invest long-term in the country. In some cases, though, businesses are boosting their investments. Last month, Tesla announced a second factory in Shanghai dedicated to the production of large-scale batteries. On top of these, the outlook for investment in China remains uncertain. The country saw a deeper contraction in manufacturing activity in May. The trend may signal a loss of momentum in post-pandemic recovery. Beijing is lashing out over a new trade deal between the U.S. and Taiwan. Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson Mao Ning said Friday that China firmly deplores any official exchanges between countries that have diplomatic relations with Taiwan, which it described as a province of China. Beijing claims Taiwan is part of mainland Chinese territory, though the Chinese Communist Party has never ruled the island. The foreign ministry's remarks come one day after the deal signing. Taiwan and the U.S. started talks last August under what's called the U.S.-Taiwan Initiative on 21st Century Trade. That's after Washington excluded Taiwan from its larger Asia trade initiative, the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework. Last month, the two sides reached agreement on the first part of their trade initiative. It covers customs and border procedures, regulatory practices and small business. The pact is expected to open the island to more U.S. exports and boost Taiwan's ability to fend off economic coercion from China. According to the U.S. Trade Representative's office, future negotiations will address more complicated trade areas, including agriculture, digital trade, labor environmental standards, state-owned enterprises, and non-market policies and practices. More money moving out of China. Canada's second largest pension fund, CDPQ, has stopped making private deals in China. It's also said to close its Shanghai office this year. That's according to the Financial Times. CDPQ is a global investment group worth $295 billion. The decision follows a parliamentary hearing in May, where several Canadian pensions were asked about their relationship with China. That's as political tensions between the two countries rise. Despite the news, the fund hasn't cut off China entirely. A report noting the group says it paused private investments for some time already and have focused on liquid markets, which is the majority of its 2% total portfolio exposure to China, adding it expects this trend to continue. CDPQ confirmed the Shanghai office closure later this year, but declined to comment further. The fund is following in the footsteps of other large investors and in scaling back their activity in the world's second-largest economy. And Hong Kong tycoon Li ka also recently reduced his stake in a Chinese bank, cashing out the equivalent of over 15 million U.S. dollars his move sending jitters through the market. A U.S.-based political and economic analyst saying, certainly Kaixing's investment activities have been regarded as a trendsetter in the investment world. Adding, he invested more in mainland China during its rapid economic development. Then, when there was some political instability, he withdrew from the mainland and sold some of his property investments to invest more in overseas markets. Blood-soaked banners, towels, and newspaper clippings. A museum is highlighting artifacts Beijing doesn't want you to see. A memorial museum opening in the Big Apple kicking off Friday, featuring memorabilia from China's Tiananmen Square Massacre. Here are the details.
0: The reason why this memorial exhibition is here because the Hong Kong Trung Force Museum was forcibly closed by the Chinese Communist Party in September 2021. The CCP's intention is very clear to cover up history and make the world forget the crimes they committed.
3: The exhibition features a range of memorabilia from the protests and the massacre. Bloody towels, blood-soaked banners, newspaper clippings, letters, and even a tent used by students during their seven-week rally. Every item here has a story behind it because the Chinese government wants to erase the memory completely. Anyone who has kept such item is at risk. The museum is the only place in the U.S. where people can physically see the artifacts from the events 34 years ago. Former student leader of the protests, Zhou Feng hopes the artifacts will now be safe in New York, away from the direct authority of the Chinese Communist Party. This, for us, is tremendous. Uh, It's our sanctuary. It's our home base. Uh, It's a place we can commemorate uh, these who died and uh, remember the uh, fight uh, of freedom for millions of people. Public commemorations of the Tiananmen Square massacre are strictly prohibited in China. Earlier this year, authorities in Hong Kong jailed three leaders of a group that had organized vigils commemorating the massacre.
1: From esteemed judge to enemy of the state, a Chinese legal practitioner gave up his career to uphold justice. We sat down with Zhong Jinghua, a former judge for eastern China's Zhejiang province, to learn more about his story.
2: Zhong Jinghua became a thorn in Beijing's side after making the following statement in
0: 2012. I said that after the 18th Congress of the Chinese Communist Party this year, if Beijing didn't lift the ban on political and speech freedom, I would be the first to announce my withdrawal from the CCP. Then I will form an opposition party to overthrow its dictatorship.
2: Zhong's words put him under immediate threat and surveillance by the regime. At the time, the former judge had left the bench to practice law for four years. His decision triggered by the lack of judicial independence in communist China. Zhong was later embroiled in a nationwide police operation against human rights defenders. Hundreds of lawyers and activists were detained on July 9, 2015.
0: The police broke into the lawyers' homes at night and took them away, without showing any identification or search warrants. I told the authorities that if they did the same in my house, I would act in self-defense.
2: The day Zhong posted this content on social media, police surrounded his home. He was threatened with arrest. Mindful of his family's safety, he began planning a trip to the United States, a brief getaway from the repression in China.
0: Days before we left, a police chief in Shanghai called and asked, are you going to the United States on August 11th? He told me in a threatening tone that there would be a good chance I wouldn't get out of the country.
2: Despite the intimidation, Zhong brought his family to the airport. A group of police blocked them and forced Zhong to undergo a strip and body search.
0: That was infuriating. They stripped me down and went through all my luggage, my pockets, and even every picture in my phone. They spoke to me as if I were a criminal.
2: The family were eventually let go half an hour before boarding. But Zhong said he didn't expect that level of humiliation after a decade as a judge. Upon arrival in the U.S., Zhong officially announced that he quit the CCP, joining over 400 million other Chinese people worldwide who've done the same.
1: Coming up, $800 billion. That's how much U.S. investment has flowed into China in recent years. A staggering number coming from a new report. Plus, how should we ensure that Americans aren't unwittingly backing China's military through U.S. retirement funds? We spoke to the report's author, Derek Scissors, for details. He's the senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute and the chief economist of the China Beige Book. His comments and more after the break. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. What can be done about American investment in China? A new report says $800 U.S. dollars have poured into China over four years. We spoke to the report's author, Derek Scissors, for details. He's also the senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute and the chief economist of the China Beige Book. Let's dive in. Derek Scissors, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you on the show. Glad to be here. You recently released a report titled, What to do about American investment in China. And you know that about 800 billion US dollars flow to China over four years. So where are all these funds going to?
3: Well, the thing is that we don't really know that. Um, We know they're going into Chinese securities, Chinese stocks and bonds. This is from the end of 2016 to the end of 2020, uh, the nearly $800 billion flow, but we don't know what stocks and what bonds, what industries, what companies, because the Department of Treasury doesn't tell us that. So one big problem in U.S. policy, we're considering restricting U.S. investment in China, but we don't know what the U.S. invests in in China.
1: And on that note, in terms of what the government is doing, it seems on Capitol Hill there's been a lot of talk over the years, but what has Congress actually been doing?
3: Nothing. Um, there was a Congressional bill uh, introduced well introduced two years ago at this point, but it was considered last year, called the National Critical Capabilities Defense Act, which addressed outbound investment. It passed the House, but it did not pass the Senate. There's another version of the bill that's been introduced uh, this year, it hasn't gone anywhere yet. It's early. The Biden administration has for two years, been to almost two years, talking about an executive order on outbound investment. We still don't see the executive order. Prior to that, the Trump administration did nothing at all. Um, So you can decide whether the Trump administration doing nothing or the Biden administration saying it's going to do something, but so far doing nothing, which one is worse. But in either case, what we get out of this is the U.S. talks but doesn't act.
1: And in terms of financial impact, you note that tariffs are not as important financially as this investment flow. Why is that?
3: Well, we put on 25% tariffs on some Chinese goods, 15% tariffs on other Chinese goods, and basically, we have the same trade deficit. Now, you could make an argument that, well, the trade deficit would have grown faster. Okay, fine. Um, But you don't see a visible impact if the trade deficit would have been larger, maybe even $50 billion larger. But as we discussed, during the Trump administration, U.S. capital outflow to China was $800 billion over those four years. That's much bigger than even anticipating a trade impact. The visible trade impact of the tariffs is almost nothing. But if you say, well, it would have had an impact, we would have done something different without the tariffs, it's still much smaller than the investment flows. This is the big money issue in U.S.-China relations in the last six years. It's American money going into Chinese securities markets.
1: And recently, we're seeing a lot of CEOs flocking to China. You have JP Morgan Chase, Jamie Dimon, Elon Musk was also there recently. This comes as China's defense minister refuses to meet with his U.S. counterpart. How does the geopolitics play into all of this?
3: Well, I mean, the American business community has, has, all, has long been split into, you know, loving China and, and being harmed by China. And I think there's a third group now, which is looking to diversify away from China. Um, so that group you have to cut some slack to. If you're trying to reduce your dependence on China, maybe you made a mistake, you've been too dependent on China, but at least you're trying to do the right thing now. Um, for the group that isn't trying to reduce its dependence on China, that is just going over to you know do business as usual, they're undermining America's geopolitical position. Um, you know, we have a situation now where The U.S. is dependent on China, both for some pharmaceutical products, but also more broadly for the chemical inputs into pharmaceuticals that other people ship to the United States, from Ireland, from India, and so on. Um, We need to reduce that dependence.
1: And there have also been reports that U.S. retirement funds, including military families, are actually pouring investment into China. How do we ensure that Americans aren't unwittingly funding China's military?
3: So this is a simple step. And it's, it's another frustrating thing that the US government hasn't done. Um, when you're talking about US government funds, including the military, so save, savings of US government employees, certainly including military personnel and their families. Um, why not just put a label on this? These products uh, involve investment exposure to China, these products could, you know, support activities in China that you find undesirable, we can I don't care what the wording is, Put you know put the warning on there. Uh, there's a Chinese investment structure that has a very questionable legal standing in China that draw has drawn a lot of American money over the years, uh, called a variable interest entity. Why not warn people? Say mm, I don't I don't know that this is entirely secure. Certainly not as secure as investing in say the German stock market, obviously the American stock market, and so on. So you know rather than telling people what to do or what not to do, let's start with letting them know the situation. And the fact that we don't do that says there's something wrong with our decision making on this topic.
1: And with all the areas covered today, any final thoughts you'd like to share? Um,
3: This has to be a congressional action. Uh, The executive order, we've been waiting for for a long time, but executive orders are never solutions to anything because the next administration, even if it's the same people, can just drop the executive order. Um, We need a durable law. And it's, it, you know, don't let the best be the enemy of the good. If you can't agree on what the best law is, okay, we know what steps we should take. We know we should increase transparency. We know we should not support uh, Chinese development of technologies that have p- potential military uses. So take the smaller step, but put it into law and make it permanent. Um, that's, that's the big mistake in American policy. We've spent years now discussing it, and I know because I've been part of the discussion. Uh, it's time to take a step, even if the step is not perfect.
1: Derek Scissors, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you soon.